stay. Welcome to another episode of Top 5 with Nick. Um, this week I want to go over video game stories. Stories are what I consider to be one of the most important factors in what makes a great video game. Uh, today the guests with me are Kieran Marchant. Hey, it's me again. And Paul James of Player2.net.au fame. So I'm apparently the one that ruined Platt because I used big words. I'll try to lessen that impact this episode. No, no, you make Platt so much better. You, make, you improve Platt. You just, you know, .net, .au. Nah, just, just yeah. make it .net or something, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on it. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to start today with the Greedy. very special guest of Paul. What is your first video game story? And we're counting down from 5 to 1, right? If we've got him in order. It's up to you. If you've got him in order, it's up to you. Do. <laughs> I'm going I'm to start with what... I, I've got a top 5, so I'll start with number yep. 5. Um, and I guess it's probably good timing for it because the sequel comes out somewhere within the period of this episode going live. I'm this comes out in like two months. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, talk- I'm talking. It about came out original- a while ago. Yeah, I'm talking about the original Nino Kuni. Yep. Um, so that had me from the first half hour with how spoilish do we want to go here? Go full spoilers. Full spoilers. Uh, the fact, like the whole scene with. Uh, Oliver drowning, Oliver being the little boy that you play throughout the course of the entire game. Yep. Uh, he's uh, he's drowning out there, his mum kind of dives out, rescues him, um, and then, had, like, after rescuing him, so she didn't drown or anything like that, after, after that, when they're all on the shore and everyone's kind of collecting themselves, she has a heart attack and dies. Um, Jesus. Uh, which was, yeah, like a really kind of shocking thing. Um, they've really done a fantastic job of setting up that family dynamic the in a you know very short space of time um and had already got me to care about oliver his mum and kind of anyone else that was important to him and then that moment came along and just knocked me on my feet off my feet sorry um (laughs) and from there like they just they lent on it just enough it wasn't overplayed throughout the course of the the game going forward because at that point on you know the fantasy elements start to creep in it becomes your traditional jrpg in many respects yep. but um they lent on that just enough that they they didn't over overplay it and they didn't you know lessen its impact um but they just reminded you enough of what oliver's drive was throughout the course of the adventure that it kept me motivated the whole way through because outside of that the um the jrpg you know the fantasy element is was fairly typical i guess of what you'd expect from a jrpg yep but that consumed everything for me in the end and just drove me the whole way through the experience what is a so very long is he, experience is his drive to is he like some somehow trying to save his mother or bring his mother back or something like that well yeah there's um so the whole concept of the original nino kuni is that you've kind of got like a a doppelganger sort of in this this alternate world oh okay um, yep. and the initial drive was well your mum in the other world in this world Nino Kuni is a really important figure within this thing she is alive uh, okay. and may- maybe you can you know you manipulate the magic and the way everything works there to somehow bring her back in yep. your in your okay, world yep. Yep. which you know without getting too spoiled it does like you know there's a lot of obstacles in the way and yep. um, 
you know, will they, won't they kind of emerges. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whole driving factor really kept me motivated and engaged the entire way through the experience. So I loved it for that reason. Yeah, with Nino Cooney, I don't know. It just, I think I tried to force myself to play it in between other stuff I was playing and it just never really grabbed me. But I think I may have to go back because it's a black spot in my gaming history. Did you ever play it, Kieran? I'm very much the same. It was one of those games where I didn't give it the time it deserved. And there was a problem, because I remember playing it through until the first time you leave the fantasy world and you return to the real world. And there's a boss fight there. And I didn't grind enough before I went there. And the boss fight absolutely panned me like five or six times in a row. And I just kind of put it down and never went back. Which is a common theme for me in JRPGs where I'll often rush through a JRPG, forgetting it's a JRPG, getting to a point and be like, crap, I've not grinded enough to... And then I ended up going back all the time. I always end up going back a couple weeks later. Just never gone back to Nino Kuni. And that's... Yeah. Looking with Nino Kuni 2, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, even though the two stories are apparently not connected, I'm like, I kind of want to go back and give Nino Kuni 1 a go first yeah. before I jump into 2. Yeah, so yeah, feel free to uh, remaster that and put it on the PS4 at any time. <laughs> I was that'd surprised be, that they didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah I was I surprised that they didn't, didn't do too. it. I'm really surprised. I mean, like you said, they're not connected, but it would have been a great opportunity to raise the profile of the original and help then in turn boost the profile of the sequel. And we'll see how that goes sales-wise and reception-wise. But um, Yeah. Well, from what I remember, it wouldn't be too hard to remaster it, yeah, because it's all cell-shaded type stuff, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Kieran. What's your first video game story? Uh, my first video game story is my favourite story from probably one of my favourite stories of character growth I've seen, and that is The Walking Dead Season 1 from oh, Telltale. Because good choice. I was taking it now because I was like, some there's got to be at least be on both people's list, or it's just, I'm taking it now because... Do I need to um, scramble to come up with a new one? Uh, <laughs> it's up to you. It's up to you if no. you want to. I did. I came up with spares last time, but I'm like, eh, eh. Um, that game was the first game that truly made me care about a character as much as I care about Clementine. That character was just so important to me, and just the journey you went on as Lee with Clementine, and you know, growing up and and seeing her become like a more mature child within this ridiculously messed up world was such a raw and emotional journey seeing you lose friends lose characters and just that that final scene between her and lee is just so heartbreaking just so goddamn heartbreaking of all the things that happen and then even like how it stretches beyond season one how it goes into season two and season three and i'm still seeing i'm still seeing these effects and these choices that i made on clementine as lee come back and have more and more of an effect. It's um, It was something I'd never experienced before in a game, and it was something really special, and I think with the next season being Clementine's probably last season, it's going to be it's gonna be pretty tough. Yep. Um, that scene with, yeah, with Lee and Clem at the end there, that was the first video game scene, sequence, anything that's made me sob like a big old man, baby. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> Uh, it was it was just one of those things like it was a choice that I didn't want to make I knew I had to um, and you could you know Telltale knew that and preyed on that a little bit well not preyed on it but like they, they gave you the options to kind of 
uh, translate what you were feeling into the game there and but ultimately had to make the decision did it and then to your point like that almost that scene alone um, carried me through the writing of season two is good but not nearly as good as season one yeah. and the, the same deal for the third season um, but it was it was that first season alone that's just I've bought into anything they do involving Clementine like yeah this is like yeah. this is this is our character. This is you know, it's almost like having a, you know I wouldn't know or I don't think any of us would know about having kids, but it's like having a kid that you've seen grow up. And uh, okay, Paul's double checking. <laughs> What's that behind you, Paul? Quick run. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry, but nothing here. Nothing good. Um, it's yeah, it's like having that grow up and. There was a moment in... I don't know if you've you played through Season 3. There's a moment in Season 3 where you kind of... You go back to a flashback of her and Lee together in, a, in the um, in the caravan that just really hits home and stuff, you know? It's just... Yeah, it's really good storytelling. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed my time with Season 1, but I don't think it... It didn't affect me as, as it affected a lot of other people. I don't know why, it's just... Like, I think it was a fine game and a fine story, but it just doesn't, didn't resonate with me as much. So I never had the drive to go back and play seasons two or three, so... Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. All right. My first one is The Witcher 3. Oh, damn it, you lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost three of my five already, and we're not even through my... Like, I've That's okay. About one of them. <laughs> we, we can share. I'll, I'll share with you. <laughs> Um, I've got but, some reserves. Yeah, The Witcher 3, like, having read the books as well, being attached to all those characters and being, like, a culmination of everything up to that point, but as a standalone thing as well, the the best thing about it is you're playing as Geralt, and Geralt is essentially a supporting character because the game is series story. It's all about series growth and series saving the world. Like, you're not put in the position of trying to save the world, the universe, whatever, you are supporting the character doing that as well. So it's kind of a subversion on a lot of RPG tropes and stuff like that. And just the way the characters interact and the story and the the way they grow and tear apart or come together, it's just phenomenal storytelling, in my opinion. No, I I absolutely agree. Um, But then on top of that, and you're talking about the story of, the two characters there and how they cross over um what also impressed me was the 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 world design and how that bled into the narrative definitely Um, yep like all the little side quests you do they're self-contained fantastic stories that are equal to in some cases equal to what you'd get from a full release from some other yeah even better yeah but then the way those stories then bled into the overall one as well and had an impact was it was an incredible effort by cd project red i Yes. They they set a benchmark in terms of, well, in a lot of ways, but for the sake of what we're talking about here in terms of uh, storytelling in an open world. Um, yep. Yeah, because I've just, not seen a game do it. No, nah, it's a 10 out of 10 in my opinion. Like, you, it's going to be hard to top that. Did, well, what are your experiences with The Witcher? Karen? And I'm, I've got, I'm really short on The Witcher, you know. Like, I have not put enough time into it just because it's one of those games where... I've gone back to, and I just need to sit down for a month and play it and put in time and just, but go in in a completely different way than I would normally go into games because 
I burnt myself out on the game being like ooh piece of candy as I walked around and grabbed everything where you know I don't think I ever like I didn't even go to the there's like the whole the witches in the forest yeah. I didn't do that quest oh, I wow. didn't do like the oh. yeah I didn't even get that far I think the furthest I got was you met the witch with the blonde hair in the random tower yeah Kira and then yeah like met her and like her little quest and stuff but I didn't do much after that and it was just because I got lost playing Gwent and some side quests. <laughs> it's and a problem we've all had. Yeah, like I just did that and then... But reflecting on it and starting to read, like I think the book I've gone back to the most over the last couple months has been um, the original short stories from The Witcher. Yeah. And Geralt as a character is one of my favourite written characters. And that's me saying something without really seeing half of the game. Like I played through Witcher 2... And just not playing through Witcher 3, but he's one of my favorite written characters because often in these RPGs, the main character or the character you're playing as is like the least written character because yeah. they want you to. They Blank want slide, you to. They want you to impose your character. Yeah, on they him. want you to feel like you're that character. And the Witcher goes, no, this isn't like your story. You're not in that shoes, but this is. You're playing through as Geralt. Geralt yeah. is a very. Um, he's a firm character, he has his beliefs, he has his position in the world. Now, see it through, and really, you get to make the choice, but there is, you know, it's not quite, what do you want to do? It's, you know, which which Geralt is your Geralt, and that's yeah. my favourite part of the story writing for that game. Definitely. Alright, Paul, what's your next one? Um, well, my next one would have been <laughs> would have been Witcher Three. Uh, so, I'm almost tempted to go with uh, the high profile of the two that I've got next because I feel like it could get snapped up. Um, I'll go, but I'll go with Chrono Trigger. Um, now, the thing that I mean, this is not one that necessarily tugged on heartstrings or any of that sort of thing. It actually just no. made me feel awesome throughout. Yeah, um, and that's you know that's a coupling of a few things, but. Uh, the the branching narrative, how it all connected, the the multiple different endings, and it's not your your Mass Effect sort of multiple endings with three different. You know, you ultimately you get funneled back to one point, and then you make a few choices, yeah. which is not just. I mean, for all that we rag on Mass Effect three, most of the Telltale games do that. There's a lot of other yeah, games that kind definitely. of you you go off in a you know funnel and you spread off in a bunch of different directions, but ultimately it culminates in one key point that is the same for everyone, um, and then you make one final decision. Uh, Chrono Trigger was one of those things, and way before any of those games that I just spoke about, um, the, it had its you know broken up paths, and you could go off in any which way you wanted, and the game could end very early if you uh, managed to make it through that court case at the beginning, or uh, you know depending on whether you beat Lavos at what time, and and all those sorts of different like the the game could branch off in a million different ways, and I just thought it was top notch storytelling. Um, yep at such an early stage for the medium. Um, yeah, because that's I, a PS1 game, wasn't it? No, that was a Super Nintendo game. It, it was Super Nintendo, yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, don't ever play this PC Steam port that's come out. It's <laughs> trash. But the story in it's still good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's another blank slate in my memory. Like, I've never played a Chrono Trigger game or anything like that. What about you, Kieran? Have you ever played you, one? You almost make I've it sound like there's it. lots of them. I've never touched it. I've looked at them a couple of times. I've just it's one of those games where I feel like in my in my life and my taste of gaming's th- there's almost I can't 
physically play every JRPG. <laughs> and I think Chrono Trigger is just one of those that I've just been like, I'm going to, nah, I can't really put that RPG into my repertoire with, you know, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. And, um, like, that's why I've stayed away from Persona 5, other than the whole streaming bullcrap. But at the same yeah. time, I'm like, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And to be no, honest, what, I, you, yeah, what you just say. said, Paul, has been the first thing that's ever even remotely inclined me to look its direction. Like, yeah, from insula- insulary um, glances, it just looked like another JRPG for me. Like, I never had a deep look at it, but now that you've said it, I might try and find a copy. Well, I think what you'll find, like, so I obviously spoke about the different paths, but each individual yeah. character's story arc is also yeah. incredible. Like, whether it's the bloody robot that you find in the future who's... Um, oh, he's called Robo. That was not so. That was not so original. The naming there, but um, uh, you know whether it's his story and about how he has just you know been made to obey all this time and finally gets shaken from his slumber and comes out and helps you, or whether it's the frog that you find that was this dedicated knight um, that you know comes you know there's and then the Chrono himself. There's the, each individual character arc is incredibly planned out and incredibly executed, and then they all kind of come together in this big overall thing that I was talking about. Yeah. So they've done an incredible job. What about you, Kieran? What is your next one? What's my next one? Jumbling around, I'm saving my niche picks for the last couple. <laughs> so let's let's potentially okay. steal uh, from let's, somebody. Let's go niche because <laughs> you might steal mine. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll go niche. And this isn't this isn't as well. It's niche for me. And if you listen to any of our other gaming stuff, you probably know that I love this game with all my heart and soul. Um, but my next pick is Soul Reaver: Legacy of Cain. Yep. Um, this this game is my fucking it's my jam. It is. I have so much like so many memories of playing this as a kid, and just the storytelling. It's so gothic and weird that I like would really love to play it again on a current gen console please please sony um just having like the character this character raziel and you have kane who has had his own games already the people know this kane character and just raziel's fall from grace from being this new thing that kane's not cool with and seeing the build-up of that game and even just like the forward movement of like going from Soul Reaver 1 to 2 and 3, it gets so messed up with time travel and stuff, but just at the raw edge of this game is two people, like Raziel and Kane, trying to understand each other and trying to grow and have, like, find that there is a position for both of them in the world. So... Did he just wake up one morning with wings, or did he always have wings and kept them uh, No, he pretty much... So the start of... Yeah, the start of Soul Reaver is him presenting to Kane that he has had these wings form on him. Yeah, um, just overnight, or what? Uh, I don't know if it was overnight. I don't think there's a whole... There's a... <laughs> just wakes up one morning. Holy crap, this bed's got really uncomfortable. Like, this, this is some lumpy bullshit here. What is going on? And I've then... never thought about it before now. It's just so odd. <laughs> I think um, I think the council, because that is that opening scene is like Raziel and all of his brothers coming back to see Kane. Yeah. I think that's like a council that only meet every x amount of years or something. Oh, okay. So yeah. that was the first time since they formed. Yeah, um, like that Kane had seen him. That series has come like 
I hold a lot of that to bonding with my brother because we both love those games and we spent a lot of time playing those games, like just going back and forth in the PS2. Uh, but yeah, like I enjoy the story, but it just I wouldn't say it's up there for me personally. But yeah, Did even you... just I think a lot of it is for me. A, it's nostalgia for me yep. with just looking at it. But then I recently reread through the p- plot, and there's so much. So this character was once this character who's really this character yeah. and all this stuff. And I was reading back going, how did I get this when I was a kid? <laughs> I'm giant, like, I, the giant eyeball I'm, tentacles living underwater near the pillars. Yeah, and... like how am I, how how am I supposed to understand this now? But I'm, I would love another chance to get into that world yeah. because it was such an, ex, uh, an amazing place to explore and a story to experience. That did you ever touch on it? It is, yeah. It's a black mark? Like, to... I, oh. I feel like even when it was prominent, it was niche. Yeah, yeah. I, which was really weird. I didn't realise that until quite recently when I started banging yeah. the drum about it. It was, you know, it's a very niche game that a lot of people on the PlayStation 1 did not get to. Yeah, a lot of, pe- like, a lot of people, like, you're the first person that I know, other than my brother, that know about it, to be honest, or had even played it. So, yeah. All right. Moving on. My next one is Life is Strange Before the Storm. I know it's only a recent one, but this game, the story of that game just resonated me with... Like, it was a toss-up between the original one and this one for me, but I feel this one all the way through was solid for me and resonated me with more, whereas opposed to the first one, it being slightly paranormal and i didn't like the last episode like this is why before the storm took it out for me like i know it's weird i was never a teenage girl but it gives me nostalgia from when <laughs> when that's the cutout for this episode i was never a teenage girl <laughs> but it gives me nostalgia and longing for being back in high school and having those kind of relationships with people and school relationships and stuff like that it just took me back and even the melodrama that they go through just hit home for me it was such a perfectly crafted story for me that yeah it's just up there for me i really really enjoyed it so i don't know this might be the first one where rather than um maybe it being a black mark i might just openly Oh, no, I'm not going to say I openly disagree because it's subjective. But, no, um, that's fair. I, I had, they had a good story in Life is Strange and presumably in the sequel. I didn't play... Oh, sorry, not the sequel, but before the prequel. Before the prequel, the yeah. Um, I couldn't get... I, I got through the game because I was reviewing it yep. for the original game. But I could not get over the number of times the word Halla was used. I wanted to take the screen and like the, I'm using a little monitor right now and just smash it into my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I just... And like you, I was never a teenage girl. But yeah. um, I... Like, it just... I couldn't. It, it, they made it so tough and uh, because of... Just, it was... Everything was too much. That was, yeah. that was what burnt me out on the game. And yeah, that's fair. When, when before the storm got announced, I couldn't shake this feeling that they were going to be doing the same. And I've heard so many glowing things about it, but I also heard so many glowing things about the first season. And I, yeah, it's, it's not very often, much. It's much the same. So if life is strange yeah. graded, you, I'd probably you'd probably get graded by before the storm. 
Yeah, because I knew that like the the themes and what they were trying to say was really important, and I totally understood how it would resonate with people. Yeah. Um, and the concept of what they're trying to say really resonated with me, but the way they delivered it didn't, and that's that's what killed it for me. And it was a real yeah, shame because, like fair. I said, that... I absolutely adored what they were trying to do, and I just couldn't get over the execution. I think also with Before the Storm, why it resonates so much for me was after finishing the first one and then hearing the news of that they were doing a prequel, my immediate gut reaction was like, no, I don't want this, this isn't needed, why are they doing this, just go off and do something else. But after playing it, it just won me over and I was like, I. it was the thing I needed the most that I didn't think I needed. Yeah, that's yeah. And from my recollection, I don't think Hello is even said once in Before the Storm. Is yeah, it? it is. It is. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, Maybe I, I just. I only said a couple of times. Because she, I think she learned, like she learns the word Hella in oh, okay. that game. Like the words Hella is introduced to her in Before the Storm, if I remember rightly. So. Also, it also makes uh, Chloe a more relatable character for me, where she's not as wild and over the top and unrelatable as she is in Life is Strange, the original as well, I think. Yeah, I mean... Makes that, it more grounded, yeah. That aspect of Chloe with the original one, that didn't bother me in the least, and I guess maybe... Like, I'm a teacher outside of this business, and, like, in that classroom, there's 25 different individuals, and they're all carrying different baggage, and... Yeah. Like, I've started at a new place this year. This is my first year at the school, so I don't know any of those kids from a bar of soap, but I know yeah. each and every one of them carrying something different in, and I can't pretend to know that and if I you know I might have got a little bit of attitude day one I didn't really because yeah. I'm a gun but um, <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be saying that around schools <laughs> I didn't say I have one <laughs> and this is not America um, without getting too political um, but it was one of the like it's one of those things where you just can't pretend to know what yeah. they might or might be going through and you just kind of be the best you can be with those people and support them through whatever. So that didn't bother me with when it came to the original Life is Strange because yeah. we're getting dropped into this world. We're missing all that prequel context or even anything before yeah. that as well. Um, and you just kind of have to accept the person for what they are. Yeah. Um, so that didn't bother me. It was it was just the, the hella. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> how everything was so casual, like I just couldn't. Hella annoying. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> that's it I'm out of this podcast see ya <laughs> good thing you're not within punching distance alright yeah Paul what's your next one uh, so the only one that I've got left from my top five um, <laughs> is The Last of Us yep um, and I guess does that register on either of your that very that nearly made my list it, I didn't put it on my list because I it's too commonly seen as a great story for me to be like eh people know it's a great story yeah okay fair I don't enough know. I don't know um, <laughs> so I guess yeah look that's that's a reasonable point so I think the things I'm going to say will be fairly I guess expected by anyone listening here this is um, a personal list show so but it is it a personal list your top yeah. five yeah definitely don't that listen to Kieran scene, that intro scene um, and what happens with yep. Joel and his daughter is Shocking, I guess, in the same sort of way that I guess elicited the same sort of reaction that Nino Cooney did, um, with the way you know an important character died there at the beginning too. Um, the context slightly different, yep. but same sort of response. 
And then as the you go from there, uh, obviously there's the Left Behind DLC that kind of focuses more on Ali, and that was really powerful for what that was. But in terms of the main experience, it was the you could visibly see the the bond between Ali and Joel solidifying as the experience continued. Um, yep. Because they really disliked one another at the beginning. Maybe Borderline hated one another at the beginning. Um, but life has thrown them together for whatever reason. And, and you know, at the, at the beginning it was clear, look, I've just got to deal with it regardless. this It is what it is. This sucks. I don't like this guy or girl, but whatever. Um, but then through some shared experiences, they you know, that relationship built and you could see it building um, in terms of how they might have to work together or because something horrible happened and one had to save the other or whatever. Um, yeah, and it was just incredible execution. Yeah, and then obviously the payoff at the end, which I mean is divisive in terms of you know how people interpret that ending, but that's down to the the Joel that you've kind of built as you go. That's uh, definitely or the, yeah. the yeah. idea of Joel in your head and what would he or would he not do. Yeah, um, was yeah, it was just I'd I'd probably do the same thing in his position. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, he didn't get much of a say in the matter, but no, you know, the, but yeah, yeah, the the lie and all that sort of stuff at the end was important as well. Yeah, um, it also just, leaves it, it. it leaves it on a questionable ending as well. Like whether what what goes what happens here? Do they still do they still have the same relationship going forward? Do they what? Like it also makes a sequel so much more interesting as well. Yeah, and I know there was a lot of pushback about. Well, not a lot, but some pushback from some about the sequel when, when Part 2 got announced. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I can understand why, because it was a self... Con- well, it certainly appeared as though it was a very self-contained story. Um, I'd be really curious to know if there was yeah. any decisions being made in the background at Naughty Dog that's like, we deliberately want to keep this open enough for us to continue it, or is this yeah. just the story that we've written and it so happens that... You know, yeah. it's provided us an opportunity to continue. Definitely. Um, I don't know. It's I'd love for that story to get out. Just to know what the thinking was at the end of the original Last of Us to see what yeah. decisions were being made about that narrative. But the whole experience was incredible. And I, yeah, I agree it. wholeheartedly. That that was my number two behind The Walking Dead. <laughs> Kieran, you expot. What? I just <laughs> don't want to do. And for me, Last of Us, I, I love it because it's not about... Which what so many games is about is the fight between good and evil. Yeah, it's you know it's real people trying to survive and yeah. trying to stay alive and protect the things that they hold dear and cherish in this world. For me, I got to the Last of Us pretty late. I only played Last of Us about a year, or a year and a bit ago. Yeah, um, and I somehow managed to avoid spoilers for this game, That's and an I don't know how. Effort. I know I don't know how I because I actually got told by a friend that um, Ellie dies, and I was like. I played through it, and I was like, wait, what? Like, that never <laughs> happened. Bullshit. And so, the I think my favourite bit of storytelling is the winter section. Yep. Or yep. The, the winter section, because, hey, it was such a surprise. Um, it was such a surprise for me, because... I just wasn't expecting that. And to see that world from that character's position is a very interesting thing to do. Changes yeah. the gameplay a whole lot um, and changed the world you were in quite a lot. So it was interesting. And I love I love how flawed the characters are. 
I love yeah. how flawed and real those characters are. Even like the scene everybody touches on is the goddamn giraffes. Um, yeah. Yep. Everybody touches on the giraffes because it's such a innocent scene before what's about to happen. So I'm interested to see what happens in part two. Um, I really desperately hope somebody took the time to teach fucking Ellie how to swim. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. they'll make a joke about it in the game anyway. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so, because fuck those pallets. Yeah, because it'll be, hey, you still don't know how to swim? What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? You're getting what, more pallets. What the fuck? What have, what have you been doing this entire time? <laughs> like, you All had right. time to get tattoos, but you didn't learn how to swim. Come on. Yeah, yep. damn it. No. What are you doing with your life? Terrible. All right, Kieran. Speaking of what are you doing with your life, what's your next one? Um, Nick, would you kindly let me talk about Bioshock now? Because um, Bioshock, the story of that game, is so, like, it's been gone over that many times, but it's just so divisive. It's so... Nick, you're looking at me really funny and it's weird. Would you kindly tell me more? <laughs> I, w- I would... Yes, I'll have to. Um... Just, yeah, especially going back and knowing what Would You Kindly means, that game is just a great second experience because you see all these small things. And things that just seem like a game mechanic, like, you know, you your weapons being put down when he says it, when he's like, you know, would you kindly put your weapons away and stuff. Just comes off the first playthrough as, oh, it's just like a little cutscene to show you what a big daddy and the little sisters look like. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's him controlling you and... This whole world of Rapture is such a amazing and like just dystopian world that is there to explore and the stories behind it. Even just that little mechanical thing of being able to listen to audio diaries while you're playing the game, like you're not having to sit there in a pause menu, grew the story for me and helped me understand this world a lot more. So I cared more. I remember... For me, the story of Bioshock I don't care about until, like, the the second half of the game. Yep. Like, I always remember the first time I played it, the first part of the game, I was like, um, okay, sure. That's, you know, that's, yeah, I'm running through, I'm killing things, I'm getting these plasmids, this is all cool. And then the, the game all of a sudden hits its second wind and it's just so good for the rest of the way. I think I have to go back and replay it because when I played it, I enjoyed it, but it didn't. I either wasn't paying attention or wasn't like I didn't appreciate what was I, I was playing through as well. Like, yeah, you know, everyone has all these glowing opinions and memories with it, but I, like I said, I I mustn't have been paying attention or just wasn't in the right frame of mind to appreciate yeah. what it was doing. <laughs> So, I'm obviously a big fan of the original Bioshock, but um, so what did that leave you? I assume you've played Infinite. I started to, but I didn't like it. So, what is that kind of okay uh, in terms of the narrative sense, or just overall? Just the gameplay, I didn't like. It just didn't feel like Bioshock for me. Like I, a, I was just curious, given what we've just you know spoken about when it comes to the original Bioshock, yeah. how Infinite. Because Infinite kind of explains a lot of things and links a lot yeah. of few things together from Bioshock One and Two, as well as Infinite. Um, what I, I did, did go for some a spoiler dive. Have on the original. You know, there's always a lighthouse, and there's always this, yeah. and then you know, and even uh, what was the DLC called? Uh, which one? The one that sees you go to Rapture. Oh, 
Oh, I've forgotten. Below the, the sea or something like that. Yeah, so, something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, did did the, the Bioshock Infinite experience have any bearing on your appreciation for the original game at all? I don't think I don't think I got far enough into Bioshock Infinite to it to have an impression on me from the original Bioshock because I don't know if Bioshock Two plays into it at all because I skipped that one for whatever reason. Bioshock Two is really good. Yeah, I want to go back and play it. Um, but yeah, I did do a spoiler dive, like just reading about Bioshock Infinite and how it plays into it. But I don't know. It's you need a degree to understand half of that. Shit, yeah. Though. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. a lot of that there's a lot of that shit in Infinite that I was like whoosh, went over my head and it <laughs> took me a good took me a good like portion of time to go back and read everything because I was Ooh. like I've That's why it took so long for the game to come out because Ken Levine himself was trying to get his head around what was going yeah, on. Yeah, get his head around what mm. was going on because the ending of that game is just so so bizarre. Breaks about fifty fourth walls and <laughs> still requires you to you know internet dive to make sense of it afterwards yes. yeah yes alright that was Nick, yours Kieran what's your next one my next one is Final Fantasy 7 oh baby alright yes the, I played this when I was very young and and the impression it left on me was like this This can be done like how other people have that kind of revelation with other video games. This goes, oh, this can be done with video games. It can tell this kind of story. It can... And even going back, replaying it, it also subverts what a lot of people... What other games haven't done like either. Like, you are a disgruntled guy. Like, you don't want any part of this at the beginning. Like, you're just there to get your paycheck and then you solidly get invested in it and then you find out spoilers like you are a clone of somebody else that's not your memories all this kind of like i don't know like subversion of common plots and like obviously it has its jrpg melodrama and all that kind of stuff but just the intricate story that it tells and the characters and the world and like you go back to barrett's town and like Everyone hates him for what happened to the town, even though it was hardly his fault. <laughs> but yeah, like, it just resonated with me, and an, it's hard. An, another game hasn't knocked it off. I don't know if it's solely from nostalgia as well, but it's just always remained up there as a personal top story for me. Nine. Final Fantasy Nine is <laughs> the jam. Um, that is I my favourite game of all nine. time, though, admittedly. But a story. You know, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't quite match the fire that we've spoken about. Yeah. Um, focusing on yeah, Final Fantasy VII, a bit like you, um, I played through that and came away from it going, "This is what video game stories are capable of." Yep. Um, and yes, it did make the list because over the years, more and more developers have put more and more time and effort into the stories they're telling, Definitely. and we're getting yep. better and better narratives. Um, but it really, I mean, in six. Did a fantastic job of it as well. Uh, yep. There was obviously a bunch of games I spoke about, Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo and all those sort of things. There, there were some fantastic examples of storytelling. But Final Fantasy, in terms of its its breadth um, and the scope, really... And I guess you know part of, part of that was the tech and the fact that the PS1 could... you know Going over yeah. multiple discs and all those sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it really set a bit of a tone for what was possible going forward. And it set no, a bar no, no, no. that 
few reached through that generation and still plenty of games fail to reach these days. Crisis yeah. Core that came out for the PSP was a fantastic add-on yeah. to that. Another one of those games that just makes Final Fantasy VII just even better. It's Definitely. just another piece of, you know, as we said with Bioshock and Infinite, increasing, Infinite, increasing people's appreciation for Bioshock. Crisis Core was just over like just took final fantasy 7 and pushed it even further and just oh my god there's nothing that game made like that game was probably the first one of the first games that you could have truly unique playthroughs very limited unique playthroughs but you could have truly unique playthroughs like such little things as taking barrett on the fucking date in the um, (laughs) golden saucer if you if you did the right things or you know there's so much in that game that's just little things that change and it was such a developing story and i don't know about you guys but i'd never experienced a character death like eris before in a game no like, likewise not yeah that I'm the happened and it was like oh shit right and then you got to like the next disc and you're like wait I just spent so fucking long grinding that character and you've taken it away? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. So it's, it, on it some also... playthroughs, has anyone else gone, well, I'm just not going to bother leveling, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I've yeah, got every it. Time. I'm just like, <laughs> fuck you, Eris. Go chill somewhere else. I don't need to put time into you. You're going to die. Like, uh. It also was at a time where you could name the characters. So I, I was young enough and I renamed all the characters, like my friends from school and whatnot, and seeing the character with that name die which i imposed my friend onto is like <laughs> hit even harder but yeah and i think also why it resonates with me like also the world it is too like you think it's this dark urban thing and then you think like you're going to be there the whole game and then you bust out of it and there's a whole other world to for you to go and explore and the more story to be told in and whatnot, and just the melding of kind of like traditional fantasy with high tech kind of stuff like that as well. It's just, yeah, it's just all come together in a perfect storm to just capture me, enrapture me. All right, Paul, what's your next one? Uh, well, my five's gone. Um, yep. Could I maybe start talking about some of the, the backups that I had? You certainly can. I haven't fleshed out any of my thoughts for these, so this could be a far more open dialogue. Um, But the first one I had was Resistance, and not specifically the first one, but just the three combined. Yep. Um, So Resistance, Fall of Man, two, then three for the PS3. Um, I don't mind myself a bit of alternate history. No, Um, I do too, yep. And they nailed this in every single conceivable way. I picked up the, the PS3 full price, a thousand bloody dollars Australian. Yeah. Ouch! I, Ouch. I got it for, my man and my brother got it for Christmas. Oh. Admittedly, admittedly, Game Traders, you know, rest in peace, um, did a fantastic. No, sorry, it was Game, the old UK oh, Jesus. mob mm. that came over Game here Wizards. for a while. Um, they did a fantastic deal where we got about $400 off for trading in the PS2 and only 10 games, whereas EB was asking <laughs> for 20 games. Um, for the for the same level of discount, yeah. Uh, and I then split the price with my mum in half, so yep, things were looking pretty good. Um, but that was the first game I played, and I must have played through that campaign ten times, I reckon. Yep. Admittedly, there wasn't a huge amount going on the PS3 at the beginning. I was going to say there was nothing else to do on the console. Um, folklore that was, was right. Motorstorm. Eh. Yeah, that that story. Eh. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, 
yeah, Resistance, like, I just being a sucker for alternate history, the story they were spitting there, I was hooked. And then when two and three came along, and you know, there was more of a character focus in terms of what was going on with um, with Hale through the sequel, his eventual death, how that yep. picks up in the in the third game, and and then the overall kind of war between humans and the Chimera. Um, I was just into it from moment one, and I am still gutted to this day that Sony, not necessarily Insomniac, because they yeah. are moving on to big, big things at the moment. Um, but I'm gutted that Sony hasn't, at the very least, remastered it and put it on the PS4. But yeah. even entertained the possibility of going back to it, especially now that they don't have a first-person shooter on the platform, like a, an exclusive first-person shooter. Now I think that Killzone. Kills Killzone and Resistance were the two through the PS3 uh, uh, life cycle. But now that Killzone is, I don't know, dead for the time being? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Or dormant for the time being. Yeah. uh, Resistance, I feel like there's just a golden opportunity there. Um, I also love to... Because it does something a bit different. I loved about it too was like, yeah, this alien... Technologically advanced civilization comes down and attempts to take over the world, but they're not overbearing. Like the humans are able to put up a resistance as well. Yeah, it's just like and like you said, the ultimate history gets me too. Like I love reading ultimate history, like um, hot, uh, the man from High Castle and stuff like that. It's just yeah, yeah. I agree. It's up there. It and in regards to first person shooter stories too, it's up there as well where it stands out where a lot of them are just paint by the numbers as well yeah absolutely um, so they did some awesome stuff there and I come on Sony get yeah. get your act together let's make it happen come on Kieran you've never played one have you I, I've played it I don't have any I don't have any strong feelings tied to them I remember like I didn't finish in any of them like I because in like during that time my household was I had an Xbox 360 and my dad had a PS3. So, your dad, dad was, was cool very. One. Yeah, my dad was the failure of the family, I'm going to call him, for that <laughs> generation. He, got that, to, he has his time. He has his time. Um, <laughs> 360 fans, send me your last of his screenshots. I dare you. Okay. Okay, I'll send it from my PS4. <laughs> um, but, so I did see dad playing it and I dabbled with it every now and then, but. Yeah, there's just not something I'm incredibly tied to, sadly. Yep. Alright. Kieran, what's your next one? Uh, my next one, I'm going to keep this one hella quick, because we've already touched <laughs> on it a little bit. Uh, life is strange. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, life is strange, for me, was a game that... It's interesting to see games in this game and the next game I'll talk about my last game. The shift in storytelling for me is such a big and important thing in gaming that I loved it. It's probably my favourite time-travelling story that I've ever read or watched because it's even though it has this time-travel element to it, it's so real. Not realistic, but it's based in realism. Like It's mm. based in a place you could think about going or you could see yourself in and to see chloe and max and every character like to grow and even having this rachel amber character that you know nothing really about you just she gets talked about for the entire freaking game 
that like the ending the the scenes in the um, secret room just it's so moving and so deep for me and the interesting thing for me is in a lot of these games not you'll find a large percentage of the community will always go with the moral choice because we as a human civilization we're told to you know follow our morals and to always do the right thing if you talk to the community of this game the large part of it have done the most immoral choice in the world for the last choice and the moral choice is the wrong choice in their eyes like it i find that so amazing that people care so much about a character in a relationship that it puts them against a lot of their natural instincts and stuff so it creates such a bond in that world that you mm. are prepared to do something that I don't think any other game would really make you... Like, not make you do, but just make you feel compelled that that's the better option. And Paul couldn't wait for Chloe to cark it. No. Paul was just <laughs> um, like... Yeah, I, there, was, there was a choice. and like, I'm saving the world. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul's just like, I'm saving the world. Sorry. Goodbye. I'm going to go look at an art gallery or some shit. I'm hella going to miss you. Oh, poor Chloe. Poor yeah, Chloe, like, poor the reason why the original Life and Strange, as I touched on earlier, was that the last episode five just really marred the experience for me. It brought it down as a whole. I know it's not a very popular opinion. It's just It was just too out there and so out of place for me. There for was to... that weird, like, I don't know. It did get really weird in some parts of episode five. Now that you've mentioned it, I'm thinking about different parts of Episode 5 that I've mentally blocked out. And yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that section. Like you're sneaking through this spot. maze void and yeah, that guy is like... All all that, yeah, it's just... I don't know, it's just too out there for me. You know, I kind of block, but I don't think that... For me, that doesn't affect the storytelling of the game too much. It's still mm-hmm. the story we got. And it was interesting choices that I made in... I remember sitting there for a good... 45 minutes when you go back to the alternate past and Chloe's in the bed and like I sat yes. there for a good 45 minutes deciding what to do there yep no I don't think I did it maybe I did I don't know that's a tough choice that's probably one of the toughest choices any video game has ever asked you to make yeah because it's it, such it, a realistic it, it, choice it had it's such, such a... gravity for me alright my next one is Metal Gear Solid 3 this game, and the reason I think it's up there for a lot of people is that it's a self-contained story when it comes to Metal Gear. Like, you could go into a blind and come out of it having the most amazing experience and story, not no, not having to know all the bits and bobs and where everything fits in. And just, it was just a cool, like, spy, like, James Bond kind of theme, like that intro... It sets it up to be like kind of a, a 60s spy movie, almost like you're infiltrating. And and I have a fascination with Soviet Russia, like even going in there, getting to interact with all that kind of stuff and the special forces and like every character stands out as their, each individual and the growth of Snake throughout the story and the subdiversion of Eva and Ocelot being a double agent and all that kind of stuff. It just boils down into being one of the best 
stories and Metal Gear stories of the whole series for me. Jeff, for me, it was only until maybe just before Phantom Pain when I really started jumping in. Like, I played all the other games except for 4 is the only one I've ever touched. Yep. Before five, before Phantom Pain came out, I went decided to went back and read through some stuff just so I could have a bit of better understanding. You know, I didn't realize that Naked Snake in that game is not the same snake from the other games. Like, that, yeah. that is Big Boss and stuff. Boss, and I'm like, yeah. I have no idea. This is okay. This is all news for me. And seeing the, the, the end scene of that game yeah. is so compelling so moving in many ways for a game of that time and even just the overall game itself you know it's more of that crazy kojima mechanics more of those the end where you can literally make him like win a boss fight by like (laughs) changing yeah you can make him die from old age there's just that element in that game of ridiculousness that is so great and the story of how that evolves and, you know, Snake accepting what's happening and yep. understanding that one thing has to happen for the world to be okay. So Yeah. Mm, it's rough. What about you, Paul? Do you have anything to do with Metal Gear? Um, I'm just looking towards the clouds to see if lightning's not going to strike me down because the only Metal Gear game I've played is Ground Zeroes. Ooh! Oh, no, that's um, not good. Yeah. Oh, that's really bad. I don't know. Mm. I don't know nearly enough about the Metal Gear thing. And I played Grand Zeroes because my intention was when Phantom Pain came out that I would to play, play Phantom yeah. Pain. And then just life got in the way and I never never got to it. Um, so I've really been able to appreciate what's going on with that storytelling. Um, but knowing how convoluted it is and knowing how many hours I have in a day, a week, a year, yeah. um, I don't know when i'll actually get an opportunity to sit down and go because I, I know i've got the was it the legacy collection the one on the ps3 yep. that had yes with yeah, everything, yeah everything, everything up to that point on it like i've got that sitting there and it it calls to me from time to time uh jay of player two patched fame like he insists that at some point we're going to do a let's play of some sort to make sure that i actually play <laughs> the bloody game because he knows that once them. i get Shabby started door room uh, clockwork orange store <laughs> I, of all of them, yeah, I would say he knows that once play I get started, three. I'll be fine. I would say play three. Yep. Out of all of them, I would play oh, so number be three. One of those, because... It'll be one of those things that. It'll be one of those things that once I get like he's he'll probably get me started with the first, and then I'll just go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he'll get me. He'll get me to play in sequential order, and I understand you know that the stories kind of bounce around here, there, and everywhere. But it'd yeah. be one of those things where I'd almost like I'd play it in the order they were released and. I, you know, in the similar way that we think about Star Wars, that we had four, yep. five, six, and then it was one, two, three. Yeah. I would still watch them four, five, six, then one, yeah. two, three, and That's then the seven, way. eight, nine, and you know, whatever. Um, I know, obviously, that doesn't make sense uh, sequentially in terms of the story yeah. they're telling, but that was how it came together. And I'm a yeah. big boy, and I can comprehend these things. I don't know. Kojima's I don't know. I don't know. It's well, you know, there, there was that period when I was a young girl. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in my teenage years, I never had that. Uh, but yeah, so it was one of those. It's just one of those things that I, for whatever reason, just never got to. Um, yeah, that's and fair. I know I need to rectify it, but I can appreciate yep. what they've been doing. Yep. All right. What's your last one, Paul? That 
Uh, I'll throw... I mean, we're obviously in the reserves, but I'm going to throw Gone Home out there. Yep. Um, you know, walking simulators, or, you know, they're not particularly affectionately called that from time to time. Um, they really rose to prominence because of this game and the story yep. that they were telling and the way that they told it. Um, obviously, you can finish that game in... What's the record? Like, 20 seconds, maybe even less? Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Like, there's some like ridiculous... Yeah, because, you, yeah. you know, once once you've been through the experience, you know exactly where to go and you can just make yeah. a beeline there. And some people even stumble upon it at the very beginning, and that's, you know, cool. Yeah. Um, but the experience of being able to walk through that house and learn of the story of the girls and the family and where everyone's gone and what's going on um, and the fact that they managed to execute not just in terms of the story but uh, in terms of the environment the design the sound all that sort of stuff they made me feel like I was at some point the horror was going to kick in something was going to jump out and rip my face off um, like they managed to nail it on so many fronts that it elevated that story even further um, yep. it was on its own I don't know. I, I guess because I don't, I can't relate to the sorts of things going on. I don't know whether it perhaps resonated with me yeah. as much, but um, because of these this multifaceted approach that really it basically elevated that storytelling to another level that I it didn't matter that I couldn't relate. I yeah. could understand and I appreciated and I really enjoyed yeah. it. I hated that game. Absolutely loathe it. Oh really? Like yeah, I know it's not a popular opinion, but it yeah, I did not they enjoy didn't my say time with it enough, at right? all. <laughs> no, it's just I found the story to be so monotonous and boring. Like I don't know, it's just obviously I wasn't the target audience for it, I guess. But I think like playing other because I come to it very late after all the praise and stuff. Like playing other, I think other walking simulator in air quotes, do that kind of thing better. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just... It did not hit with me at all. What about you, Kieran? I never played it. Never? Never. Never played it at all. It sits there do and you, I've got to go back to Do you it, have a spare 30 seconds? I, I would indeed. I would indeed. I should. It's on my list <laughs> of things to get to. I think I've got it... Cause it, it has a platinum, doesn't it? I think it's on my platinums list. I think. No, it doesn't. Yes. It doesn't, because Greg... It doesn't because everybody hates that, but yeah, oh no, yeah, I've, true. It's on my list of it's on my list of things to do. Yeah, to go to gone home. All right, what's your last one, Kieran? But I have gone home to thank. I've gone home to thank for my single favorite gaming story um, ever, which is what remains of Edith Finch. Um, this game was fantastic, and I had no idea what to expect. Much like. Gone home, and without me playing Gone Home, I hadn't had that experience. Much of the time, I was waiting for some kind of supernatural twist or some kind of scary, you know, story to happen or a monster to jump out. But there, there never was. There was some supernatural elements that were hinted at uh, slightly. There was, but walking through this home of this cursed family and reliving each family member's story was something truly amazing in many ways. The way that each different story told itself. The... I always, like, it's one of my favourite gaming moments of... There's a section where you are... The character 
works in like a fish factory and you're de-heading fish and putting them onto a line and then it starts to telling him how his imagination grew and at the same time you're cutting the heads off the fish and everything you're playing a game like you're walking through a kingdom as a king and by the end of the section the whole screen is this game where you're playing as a king but your I was playing on computer at the time your hand is still doing the movements of removing the head from the fish which I thought was amazing the fact that this has shown me a character that has delusions that have removed him from the real world and that you know I was still doing the real world things I was just completely focused on the kingdom and just the minor stories for every single member of that family how you know some of those one of those characters blends into another game and how different parts come together is truly amazing and I can remember I streamed that game and after that game finished I sat there for a minute or two and just was completely silent just kind of sitting there reminiscing about life about you know nothing ever hit me as much as there's a section where you're playing as a baby and you're in the bathtub and it's a wonderful occasion until the end of that section um it's a game that i think is always going to stick with me because of the lessons it taught me and how it made me feel yep it's a game i've been meaning to get to but obviously haven't at the moment but yeah i don't have anything to say on it or add to it Yeah, whilst I really enjoyed it for the same reasons, Kieran, that you were talking about, um, they nailed it on every front. Um, And it was one that I had on kind of a short list for today. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it didn't didn't quite make it for me, but I I adore it for those same reasons. Um, And yes, the the connection to uh, the Unfinished Swan was... Yes, yeah. That made me go uh, back and play. The the curve... Had, Had you played it at that point? No, I hadn't played Unfinished One. Like I literally played Edith Finch and then went and bought Unfinished One to play that. Uh, when I read about the connection. So yeah, I'd I'd played I'd played Unfinished Swan, I don't know, twenty twelve, whatever year it came out, the same year as Journey. Um which I don't know, that was another one on my list as well. Um but it Yeah, like I walked in and I had the foggy memory of the unfinished swan at that point but when they hit that note i picked it immediately i pounced on it everything started flooding back so i think it made me even appreciate the unfinished swan storytelling yeah as well yeah. as a product of what they did all right my last one i know for a fact you two won't have anything to say about it but this is the only game that has made me cry like a full-on blubber like a baby a baby like and that game is Metal Gear Solid 4. Like, growing up with Metal Gear Solid, I was so attached to Snake as a character and the whole interwoven story between all the games. And Metal Gear Solid 4 was the, the apex of all those storylines coming together for me into this, like, just, like, everything... I... I can't form into words how much this means to me like this is the top of the top for me and like I don't want to spoil it like the part that made me cry I don't want to spoil but it's just a culmination of everything coming together and even going back to Shadow Moses it hitting nostalgic beats and 
finally meeting characters, meeting together and interacting, whereas they previously hadn't or you wouldn't think they would. It's just... I think it hits on such a deep personal level for me too, like being so connected and growing up with those characters that just make it the top for me. Like, it's hard to form into words how much it means to me. Were you okay with it when it came out when it was, you know, dubbed a playable movie? Look, I can understand... I can understand people saying that about it, but for me it's got some of the, the best gameplay as well of a game that just... I feel people don't give its due because of the meme of, oh, it's just a playable interactive movie. But yeah, like, it was a game made, I felt, for me, a story crafted for me personally. But yeah, like, I I can't say much without spoiling it. But... So, I'm curious, so you speak about your attachment to the... The IP, obviously, over a long yeah. time at that point. Um, how much of it do you think was that you know that resulted in this impact upon you? How much of it do you think was a product of those experiences before? Versus yeah, I think it, Metal Gear Four specifically, or is it yeah. because what they did in Metal Gear Four, they knew people were coming in with these sort this sort of I won't call it baggage, exactly. but these experiences. Yeah, um, and as a result, they kind of wrote to that. Yeah, I think that would be the case. Like, kind of... You couldn't come to Metal Gear Solid 4 not having any previous knowledge and get anything at all out of it. Like, you had to... It, it was made for the fans, like, in my mind, for the fans of the series. To... And, like, I know it isn't a, like, pinnacle of storytelling, but for me, it's a personal... Like, it hits on such a personal level for me that shoots it up there like I would if I was writing a list of like the very best stories and games I wouldn't be on there but I don't know it's just I think nostalgia plays a big point part in it as well but it's just a combination of my experiences with it hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah like I, I can understand like people not including it on anything it's just for me personally it's just up there snake Snake! <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got lots of melodrama. <laughs> Alright, thank you for joining me today, guys. I hope you've had fun and had fun listening to it. Um, my guests today are Kieran Marchin. Where can they find hope you? I hope you invite me back sometime. You can um, find me on uh, at your boy Ringo on Twitter. And uh, Twitch.tv slash Explosion Networks. Get that number. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get there, Kieran. Get there. You know, yeah. Let's make sure I'm just saying it. It's part of my thing. And thank you for our very special guest, Paul James. I hope you've enjoyed being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been good. Um, yep. Obviously, I've got my own stories, but it was really interesting to hear the both of yours and how they kind of affected you guys as well. So yep. I enjoyed it. Um, where can we find you on the internet and everything that you do? Uh, so Twitter, you can find me at PaulJamesP2. Um, and then the website itself is player2.net.au, like I spoke about before. We've got a Patreon. We've got the YouTube channel. We've yeah, we're 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 spreading our wings slowly. Yep, go over and support their Patreon, and even just check out all the work because they do fantastic articles and videos and stuff over on their website. I'm a massive fan of theirs. Wait, Otherwise... so you're saying your wings didn't just like appear overnight? They didn't just like. Fucking appear <laughs> uh, I, I stuff? woke up and I was laying on top of them, and it was really uncomfortable. <laughs> ah, okay, fair enough. 
Let's just hope your co-worker doesn't rip them off your back and throw them into a bottomless chasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you can email the show for theme and topic suggestions at don't at explosionnetwork.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes. If you don't like iTunes like me personally, you can just spread us around with murder, word of mouth. Tell your friends. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded like you said spread us around with murder. <laughs> no, with word of mouth. Because we don't do much advertising, so every little bit helps with you spreading the word of the Explosion Network. Um, you can find everything we do at explosionnetwork.com, including shows, our D&D show, Tales of Thornton, our classics platinum and pleasure explosion um we do lots of streaming over at twitch.tv slash explosion network and that's been this week's episode of top five with nick thank you all and bye